Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Standard Definition, the retro and nostalgia podcast here on the Boss Rush Network. I am one of your hosts, Corey Deergan. Alongside me, as always, is the sleeveless wonder PC Muscle Race himself, Laurent Dawkins. What's up, everybody? I gotta come up with like a cool one during the Marvel ones, the the Agent of Shield, because it's no not canon, That's, so it's ironic. That, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> not Look, canon. Dude. Look, I mean, ten seconds in, <laughs> shots fired. You know what? I, I, I swear, and then, and then, and then people and then people wonder why you know like folks get punched in the face. Mm. Are you gonna punch me in the face? It might happen. Mm. Also joining us is the head of Boss Rush Entertainment, Mr. Movie Reviews, apparently. <laughs> Mark Pereira. Hi, Mark. Hey, how's it going? Your review of Tick, Tick, Boom was very good. Oh, thank you. I highly recommend you go to BossRush.net and read that. Everybody who's listening to this right now, go there. Press pause. Go read the review. Come back. It has yeah, nothing so, to do with this podcast episode. Absolutely but, zero no. to do with this podcast episode. If you read the title, I mean, you would know that. Everybody listening. But I just wanted to point it out that Mark writes very good reviews, and I'm happy he writes for us and nobody else. Uh, or <laughs> so, somebody uh, so, else, maybe. I don't know. So, Mark, you witnessed firsthand why uh, why Andrew Garfield won that uh, – won that uh, won, not the Academy. What? Golden Globe. Golden Globes. Yeah, there you go. Yes, you go. he was he was incredible. I mean, he I mean, he didn't. I said this. I know this is not a, a podcast about that's fine. <laughs> tick tick boom, but don't get over it. He, I said this in my review. He doesn't look like he's acting. He looks like he's like the the whole movie felt like found footage. Like mm. it, it felt like, not in a like a shaky cam kind of way. It just felt so genuine and realistic. And I mean, there were some. Some elements of, of heightened uh, realism. Mm. Um, if you've seen it, it kind of takes place in two different. Like there's a there's a stage show where he's telling the story of what happened, and then you watch it happen. And so the watching it happen part. I mean, he just his acting was effortless. It was so well deserved that award. He, he did so an incredible job. So basically, so basically, he's been humbled by his situation that got him fired from uh, the Amazing Spider-Man. That's right. He's learned he's learned a few things in, 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 in his time away. Well, but he's I mean he's always been a good actor. He I mean he was great in the social network. He was great in the Spider-Man films. He's he's always been very talented, but he just really you can just tell like so I'm trying to watch a lot more like award winning movies so I'm not just writing reviews of, you know, capes and tights and stuff, right? <laughs> um, but uh, so I'm watching Power of the Dog right now. Um, which I have. Oh yeah, I have, to, like, I have. I have to. I have to watch that movie. But but you, I think Benedict Cumberbatch is a great actor. But you can tell he's acting in the movie, and Andrew Garfield wasn't like he just was. He just became Jonathan Larson, and it was phenomenal. It was really good. Mm. Cool, cool. I uh, will probably watch it, maybe someday. I yeah I I don't know I don't know where I'm at on the when I might watch Tick Tick Boom because um because like doesn't it come off like a musical? Yeah, this this is what the the problem I have with Tick Tick Boom is that it is a musical for people who like musicals. Yeah, it is very musical theatery. It's very insider baseball, and so it's 
but which is which is a great thing if you like musicals but it's a real shame because it's a really good movie um and it, and it tells a good story and, and i think jonathan larson is someone that everyone should know more about mm-hmm. um i think he could have he could have been i mean he you know he died really young but he could have been like he could have changed the game and he did change the game with rent but he could have really like made a huge impact um but his he, it was cut short but um so that's my biggest complaint with the movie is that it is it is for people who like musicals and it is 100% not for people who don't like musicals. Yeah, see, and yeah, do you know it took me years to to finally like watch The Greatest Showman? Ooh, it that, took me years. That movie, it's not a good movie, but the music is awesome. Yeah, the music is awesome. <clears throat> Greatest Showman? Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that yeah, that movie they just I feel like they don't make movies like that anymore. It just was um, so sticky sweet, that movie, and the music was really good. Hmm. Ah, well, you know what's not a musical, guys? Hmm. <laughs> the, the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> uh, correction, after Hawkeye, <laughs> wow. it, uh, there, it, it is somewhat a musical now. <laughs> uh, sort of. Hmm. I know. I'm just uh, <laughs> so we're here to talk about uh, the Incredible Hulk, but before we do that, we're going to do some housekeeping real quick. This is Standard Definition, the Retro Nostalgia Podcast here on the Boss Rush Network, where each and every Sunday we come together with our friends from around the internet to talk about games, movies, shows, and other topics to, that make us nostalgic. You can support us by uh, going to Patreon, patreon.com slash Boss Rush Games to get this show two weeks early, as well as After Dark and boss rush podcast three days early uh if you listen on apple Podcasts or spotify please leave a five-star review it really helps us out leave us a nice rating as well you can also catch all of our content on our youtube channel and bossrush.net. uh the merch store there's a standard definition marvel cinematic universe and review shirt and merch up so you can go over there and check that out it's uh it's basically don't tell Marvel Studios, but I took the Marvel logo and made it st- say standard definition instead. So, uh, you know, You're such Pretty a bad boy. I know I'm terrible. Ah! <laughs> hey, look, Redbubble has a very, very sticky review process, and they approved it. Okay. Mm. So oh, yeah, you see, that, that's all that matters. I mean, they didn't let me put the Nintendo Power Block logo up until I took the word Nintendo out. So. This is weird which is weird so uh yeah so if you want to support the marvel in review show you can go buy the marvel in review merch buy a mug buy a coaster buy a shirt buy a hoodie buy a sticker i don't care buy something or not whatever information for your ears anyways we're here to talk about the incredible hulk the 2008 film that came out right after Iron Man that kind of uh, established really, really nothing. We'll say that. Really nothing. Uh, the Incredible Hulk is the second film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, it was released on June 8th, 2008 by Universal Pictures and Marvel Studios, not by Paramount. Uh, director uh, Directed by... I, I don't know how to say this guy's name. Louis Letier, Letierer? That's probably some French word, right? Letierier, I'm it's assuming. probably like Louis Letierier. Yeah. Or Louis Letierier. <laughs> yeah, Letierier. Yeah, he's, he's in a dog, so he 
No. Uh, the movie <laughs> <laughs> the movie had a star-studded cast, including Edward Norton as Bruce Banner, and focused more on Banner's survival, humanity, and his story with Betty. Though this was pitched as the sure bet over Iron Man, and actually pro- performed substantially worse, doing less than half than Iron Man at the box office. Uh, so yeah, uh, Hulk, we t- kind of talked about it on the Iron Man episode, which you can go back and listen to if you haven't heard yet. Uh, it's it's up already. This was the movie that they said was going to do better than Iron Man when they were kind of doing these, uh, shopping these around, right? Uh, Mark, they, you they, brought that up the last time. They were wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Hulk was the established IP. You know, uh, the the previous film, Ang Lee's the the Hulk. Um, though it didn't set the world on fire, it it made back more than its budget, and it was critically reviewed pretty well. I mean, you know, not bad. Um, and, and people generally liked it, um, even though they really didn't. But for the most part, they, they said it was pretty good. Um, and, I mean, the Hulk had already had a TV show that was really popular. Um, and so the, the Hulk was a known entity. And so it's it's crazy watching this because... There's obviously a better of the two films, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about when we rank them. But um, but when they were making this, Iron Man was like the niche art house film that they were making. Um, that was like the film they wanted to make. And Hulk was the one where they're like, this one's going to pay the bills so that we can do something risky like Iron Man, which is nuts considering <laughs> what actually happened. Yeah. So uh, it... it... I don't know. I I I thought I liked this movie a lot more than I did when I just rewatched it recently. Uh, I I think because the last time I watched it, I was telling the Ron before we started recording. I think the last time I watched this was either right before or right after Age of Ultron came out. And like even then, I think this movie is kind of like it kind of sticks with the rest of the movies for the most part until after age of Ultron and everything just starts kind of getting bigger and bigger and more bombastic and everything. Uh, so I don't know. My feelings of this movie changed quite a bit from what I remember. Uh, we're going to, we're, I'm going to read this synopsis real quick here and then we can kind of get into the characters and what, uh, you know, and overall impressions and, characters and what we liked what we didn't like budgets and everything so scientist bruce banner desperately seeks a cure for the gamma radiation that contaminated his cells and turns him into the hulk cut off from his true love betty ross and forced to hide from his nemesis general thunderbolt ross banner soon comes face to face with a new threat a supremely powerful enemy known as the abomination um so let's talk about let's talk general impressions Uh, mark you if you want to go first yeah, I was I was um, surprised by how much I liked this movie uh, watching it this time around. Um, I mean, in 2008, when I watched it, it was definitely the lesser of the two films. Um, Iron Man was superior in every way. Um, and this kind of felt like it felt like Iron Man made a, a marked change in superhero films. Um, and it felt like the Incredible Hulk was a step two steps back. Um, in, in the wrong direction um, but watching it now and especially watching it now in, in 2022 I feel like this movie is becoming so much more important the more that we watch it I mean um, you know spoilers for for future Marvel films but the abomination was in Shang-Chi um, the abomination is going to be in uh, She-Hulk um, uh, uh, General Ross is in 
uh, Captain America Civil War and was in in game and and uh, Infinity War, and so as Secretary of State. Um, so I feel like this movie is becoming more and more important, and it's becoming it's it was surprisingly after watching Iron Man uh, for the last episode and then and the hope for this one, it was surprisingly the one that was the most connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe at large. Um, and I don't know how this uh, passed me, uh, like uh, went over my head the first time I watched it. I'm not a comic book reader, so so I might be saying something that everyone knows. Um, but I was so surprised during this rewatch that the whole reason why he became the Hulk in the first place was was they were trying to recreate the super super soldier serum yeah. that uh, made Captain America, mm-hmm. and so this movie is so tied into the history of of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so, I honestly, I really loved it. I thought it was really great. I thought it was tight. I thought like not tight, like cool. I'm not trying to sound cool. I thought it was like like. I mean, I don't think the kids use the, the word tight anymore. The, to be I don't, fair, I don't know what kids use these days, but. Um, it slaps. Is that still a I thing? I meant like the the story. <laughs> I meant the story was was tightly written. I thought um, they did. You know, it was a it was a good balance of, of character and emotion and you know just action scenes. Um, I thought the graphics were great. Um, so I, I was I was pleasantly surprised, very pleasantly surprised with the movie. What about you, Leron? What what you rewatched it? You said. Uh, how do you feel? About uh, no, 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 no. It wasn't a rewatch. It was a first watch. I'd never, oh. I never, I, I passed on this movie. You never right, seen so it? That's a, this, that surprises I, I, me. I, I had never seen it up until like I made the commitment to like do the Marvel, the MCU stuff for, for standard definition. So I'd never seen this movie. My problem, my problem was one of the main reasons why I, I did not go out of my way to see this movie is because, um, because I felt I had no real problems with the Ang Lee Hulk movie. Um, so like something just something just really like kind of like just crossed me when I heard that they were doing it again. And honestly, this the same feeling I had when we had so many reboots of the Spider-Man franchise is kind of the same way I felt watching The Incredible Hulk uh, this time. Um, so, but you know, um, one thing I'm very cool at doing is I'm I'm very cool at doing like I'm very cool at setting my biases aside and stuff like that. So I watched the movie. The movie wasn't bad, but you can definitely tell this is pre. Mm, this is pre, like what the MCU. Actually, no, no, not pre because this came out after. This came out after Iron Man, so I guess the easy way to say it is like this was an outlier. It's pre Disney from what was. Yeah, well, yeah, it's true. It's pre Disney, but it's definitely an outlier from what from what Iron Man was planning on doing. Um, so that was one of the things right there. Like I. There are some good story beats in it. I do appreciate the fact that, you know, G- uh, General Ross, you know, who ultimately became Secretary Ross by the time we get to the later part of the, uh, of the MCU movies, you know, so I like the inclusion of, of, of him in there. Um, I kind of wish, I kind of wish, you know, he, uh, like now looking at the uh, the path uh, that the MCU went, that he had basically um, created, what was the, um, what was the team that basically started the actual Civil War? The Thunderbolts? Um, in the comics. Was it Thunderbolts? I thought there was something else. I thought there was somebody else. See, I don't, a lot of the comics I don't read outside of X Men, so you know, I don't, like because I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I I know but, like I know the Thunderbolts is a team that he created to do something, 
but I'm not. 100% I think. Sure what it I is. think. I, I, I. Then I think that is a team because like Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts are basically like Suicide Squad. They they go in. Mm-hmm. They do it. They do a mission that's technically yeah. not not sanctioned, and they and they fuck up and go horribly wrong. And then and then um and then you know, we have we have like the comic books version of the Sokovia Accords because I forgot. I think it was like it was it was it was eerily similar to the Mutant Registration Act in mm-hmm. um in the X Men comics and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm talking about the comics. We're well, talking about the movie. Um, but yeah, uh, I, that was cool that, that Ross was in there. I. That being said, though, like I really wish that this man had a lot more accountability. You know, like looking at how he becomes as we get further into the MCU, like standard definition episodes. You guys will hear me talk more and more again about how, like, you know what? I think Ross should not have been as big as he is at this point. By that point, um, but. The movie itself, the movie itself did not really didn't let me down. It, but it was it wasn't what I expected. And I and you know like this movie came out when um, two thousand eight. This movie came out two thousand eight, and here we are in twenty twenty two. And I just saw this movie for the first time, and it did it did it didn't make any of my expectations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I guess for me it's. Uh, the Incredible Hulk was really interesting in the fact that it didn't start with an origin story. Right. That really jumped out. I I don't mm-hmm. know if people just assume that people saw the Ang Lee one and kind of saw that. Or I, I know they did like the kind of comic booky kind of opening where they kind of introduced how he got the powers and everything. But uh, I actually really thought that was refreshing especially for someone as or a character that's as well known as the Hulk where, you know, how many times do I need to see Spider-Man get bit by a spider or Wolverine kind right. of get sucked into a tube and pumped full of adamantium, right? Like I don't, I don't need to see that crap. So it was really refreshing not to see that kind of stuff and to catch people up. They did that kind of the, the credit opening credits kind of flew through that. Uh, the story felt very small compared to everything else that has been going on in the MCU. And I, I forgot how, I forgot how small these opening stories were, you know, I mean, even when you, when they kind of cute almost, I know it's like, (laughs) Oh man, how small they are. (laughs) Mm, You tried so hard. It was neat. Uh, (laughs) uh, But I actually really like how they didn't even really show the Hulk really at all until the, when he was in the, the, the campus and they, you know, with the, yeah, right. all the military people, like they kind of showed him in the bottling plant, but like he was in the dark. They just kind of showed some, you know, Oh, he's moving really quick past the camera. Kind of, you know, almost like a, a horror movie in a sense to where like, Oh, what was that? What was that? I was, I was expecting some ghost hunters to pop out with their night vision. Almost. That was honestly that was cool. Like the first time that we actually saw the Hulk in action, mm-hmm. you know, and and technically we didn't really see him in action. We we we, we saw like the silhouette of him fucking everything up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, dude, some of those I felt bad for some of those damn soldiers. <laughs> like those soldiers, yeah. that man. Like if there's if there's a word to, to perfectly describe what they what what he did to them, the word raped would come to mind. Wow. <laughs> Hmm. That is a word. <laughs> that um, is a it, it, uh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yo, like okay, like so, like um, so, like the like the very first guy he grabbed, I feel I felt bad for that dude. The guy that got drugged underneath the damn truck that he was pushing, I felt bad for that guy. The yeah. guy that got the guy that got thrown 
out the building and halfway into the next building. I felt yeah. bad for that dude. <laughs> yeah. It, it reminded me a lot that that kind that level of restraint in cuz I think especially if you look at there was a previous movie that had just come out well, I guess at that point it was five years prior, but had just come out. And the biggest complaint was that with that was there wasn't a ton of Hulk in it and there wasn't a ton of action. And so, but to still come in with that level of restraint mm-hmm. to not show him up close. I mean, it reminded me a little bit of the greatest movie of all time, Jurassic Park, mm. where they, they, you know, Steven Spielberg in that movie perfected, the the art of the tease which is you show glimpses of what everyone wants to see and it is so much more terrifying Mm -hmm. and so much more impactful than Mm -hmm. just outright showing it up front and it's not until a jurassic park until the t-rex enclosure that you truly see one for the first i mean you see the brontosaurus and stuff but like the t-rex right yeah Um, and the hulk reminded me a little bit of that in that it wasn't until he's on campus on that bridge um, which was a really smartly choreographed scene, I thought. Yeah. Um, that you really see him for the first time, and it was like, I thought that was really well done, mm-hmm. the way that they they kind of structured that. Yeah, and uh, you know, mirroring Iron Man almost, it was it was way more of like how he, he it focused on Bruce Banner instead oh, yeah. of the Hulk, which was which was the smart move which, you know, we kind of just talked about that. But, like, I, I really thought, hit, like, focusing on his, like, survival, really, after he ran, right? Because it had been five years since his last encounter with the government or whatever, and he's kind of laying low at, and working at the bottling plant and stuff, right? And and it's just, I don't know, man. And, like, even him watching Sesame Street to learn the language, yeah. right, to learn Portuguese, Portuguese. was, was yeah. so, like, just little mm-hmm. things like that was it was really smartly done. I just I really enjoyed those little moments. The first I would definitely say the first half of the movie is way stronger than the second half. Uh, but yeah, I, think, I would agree with that. But I think that's that was kind of the conclusion we came to with Iron Man too. Is like that last act kind of didn't hold up as well as we thought it did or wanted it to, you know. And uh, oh, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a problem with, with a lot of MCU movies is, mm-hmm. is the premise and the, and the opening act and, and the opening kind of two thirds are you are typically at least until, until a certain point are typically much stronger than the rest of the film. Um, and it wasn't until, I mean, you might say, I mean, Avengers I think was an outlier um, in the early MCU films, but it really wasn't until like winter soldier um, that, they really started to focus on, okay, we need to, the ending needs to live up to mm-hmm. the promise of the beginning. Um, yeah. And so I, I think you're right. And, and, and that's something that Marvel really has hung its hat on is there, there really are, it's not about, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about the explosions and the superheroes and all that, but their, their movies really are about the people behind the mask. And so Iron Man is much more about Tony Stark than it is Iron Man. And the Incredible Hulk is much more about Bruce Banner than it is the Incredible Hulk, um, and that's something that they really have focused on on each movie um, is really exploring the humanity of the people behind these these ridiculous costumes and names and powers, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that it, it's it's cool to see them doing even here on their second 
movie out the gate. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you said, like I, I actually didn't notice until pro- I mean, I noticed before this rewatch, but like, I didn't notice until the last time I was watching it that like, oh, this movie specifically ties into Captain America so, so you know, incestually. It's just it's crazy. Right. It's so crazy. Because yeah. uh, like, oh, and there was even a oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just like I thought they were trying to like recreate. Like I knew they were trying to create something, but it didn't hit me that they were trying to recreate the Super Soldier program. And, and like they specifically say use the word super soldier in the movie yeah, yeah. and I was like oh I was like God, I, why didn't I not notice this and at the time like at the time when this movie came out I saw this movie when it came out I think me and my uh f- they, there's a there was like a one of those dollar theaters at the time around in the area and me and my friends went and saw Iron Man and Hulk at the same time uh back to back. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really, it was cool. It was weird. It was funny. Like, it was fun. But, like, we didn't really know that at the time that these movies went together or that, like, Thor and Captain America and Avengers were coming. You know, that, like, that just didn't really hit us because we didn't stay in Iron Man. We didn't stay in Iron Man to see the end credit scene. So we didn't right. know the movies connected until we saw Hulk. And we were like, Oh, well, Iron Man 2, the Hulk's going to be the bad guy. Like, that's what we thought. Because, because like, I mean, spoilers for the end of the Hulk, or the Incredible Hulk, but, like, when he's in the middle of the woods, like, and his eyes turn green, he looks like he can control it, right? Which is is something I want to get to when we we get there, right? Because, like, that kind of doesn't mesh with the rest of the MCU, but we'll we'll get there Uh, until, obviously, like, Endgame. But uh, the I I just really feel like the movie for me it was it was the beginning was was really fun and really great. I think the middle to to the end was like not great. Uh, but the uh, you know I, I think about the time where he when he meets Mister Blue is kind of where the movie starts to like turn into almost cartoon territory. Uh, well, I think the the problem with the movie or the reason why it seems like it takes such a turn is that, I mean, it's been widely you know publicized that there was so much turmoil behind the scenes for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Edward Norton has a reputation for being a phenomenal actor, but but being just a real asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and he, I mean, it's no secret. Mark Ruffalo plays the Hulk now and not Edward Norton. And so he was, I mean, constantly rewriting scenes on the day and being like, we need to make this more about Bruce Banner. We need to make this more serious. And so there really are two movies here. And I think that both movies are good. It's just when they meet in the middle, because Marvel very clearly wanted to make one movie and Edward Norton very clearly wanted to make a different movie. Mm -hmm. And so they let him get away with it in the beginning but then the end was a very Marvel. It was a very you know Iron Man versus Warmonger battle, which I thought graphically they handled really well. And it was I, I honestly liked the ending of this one better than I liked the ending of Iron Man. Uh, but there is a drastic tonal shift mm-hmm. when it gets towards the end of the movie, and I think it's because you know the, of that friction in the background that Edward Norton just really trying to get his way and Marvel trying to do what they knew was going to make 
money and, and do well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you hundred percent on that. Uh, before we before we actually get into the characters, uh, the the budget for this movie was a uh, hundred thirty seven point five million dollars, and at the box office only made two hundred sixty four point eight million dollars, which was a little under half of what Iron Man made. I was shocked when I saw this box office number. Like I knew it did worse, like I mean, quote unquote, worse than Iron Man, but I didn't know it did this bad. What, what but I it, mean, it made double its budget. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it did, I mean, on its own, it yeah, did well. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, you just think of like, okay, Iron Man made Iron Man made half a billion dollars, and then like you think of MCU numbers now. If it doesn't hit a billion dollars, it's it's a failure in fans' eyes, right? Like that's just how <laughs> this crap works. But it's just like God, two hundred sixty four million dollars, and I know we kind of talked about some of the stuff that came out at this, uh, you know, last time, right? With uh, what Batman, uh, Dark Knight making over a billion dollars, uh, you know, I mean the X Men, it made a hundred million dollars more than X Men and Fantastic Four and stuff. But like, man, this just this just it was crazy to think that that there was a time where the MCU movies were not billion dollar blockbusters every three months. Right. So, uh, but I mean, I, I still think. I think this right here is what they expected Iron Man to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that they considered this to, they would have considered this to be success for Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And I think they honestly, I don't think they, I, th- I think Iron Man outperformed what they thought the Hulk was going to perform. Mm-hmm. But, but I think the, the box office was flipped. Right. And so, but I still think if we, if we look at, this is the second film for the studio and it made back double its budget. That's that's a success. It's a much you know smaller, that, much smaller success than Iron Man, but it is still a success. You know what? That is, you know what? That is actually worth worth saying. You know, worth repeating, honestly, because at that time, like you know, like superhero movies were not. They did not have the best reputation. Superhero movies, actually, honestly, any any like what I can what I call crossover movies, where if they come from a different medium and they become movies, like. Like look at look at cartoon look at cartoon and TV show adaptations into movies you know look at uh, look at comic book adaptations into movies look at look shit like a lot of book adaptations into movies didn't do well back then you know like if it was it, it's funny how we shifted you know like in like movie culture to where now like it seems like the good stuff is stuff that's being that's being brought over from another genre and and how stuff based off and and original content is now kind of the stuff that never makes any money at the box office it's kind of crazy yeah <laughs> it's uh man i just i feel like God, i feel like everything's so compared to the mcu now that like if it doesn't make at least half of what an mcu movie does it's a failure right like i mean what was the or like if they if projections come out that it's not going to make that much money they sell to netflix or amazon <laughs> right 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, the bar is so astronomically high now. If it doesn't make a billion, one billion dollars, if it doesn't make a billion dollars, it's like, oh, that wasn't a success. Yeah. And so on the one hand, that's like, that's incredible that Marvel can put out movie after movie. We're 24, 25, however many movies in, and they keep on just making ridiculous, obscene amount of um, amounts of money. But, um, 
I mean, Spider-Man made a billion dollars during a pandemic. I know. <laughs> which is just nuts. So, I know. That's, that's, that's just the, people being stupid. At the, t- at the time of this recording, it's hit. it's been number one at the box office four, month, four weeks in a row, right? Probably five. Coming and well-deserved. I've seen it twice. I'm probably going to go see it another time. <laughs> I have not seen. It. I have. I have not seen it yet because, yeah. like, I'm. I'm. I am not trying to fuck around in the movie theater right now. Yeah, I'm not. I'll, I'll see it when it comes to streaming platforms. Although I know it's not coming to Disney Plus because it's a Sony movie. It'll be hit Netflix first probably. But uh, it's available to purchase on February 28th. Yeah, I know. Hmm. hmm. I want to see it though because, like, I, I, I'm coming around on the twist in that movie. Uh, to like be excited for it like I, I mean i knew it was coming since they and they showed that first trailer right i'm like oh there's no way these the you know this isn't happening but like i really want to see that movie now because i'm like oh man i i don't know as much as those the <laughs> other movies don't hold up really as much i am excited to see some of the things that happen so uh anyways i'm I'm really trying not to spoil Spider-Man for people who haven't seen it yet, because I know there are actually people out there who haven't been spoiled yet, <laughs> which is insane to me how you haven't been spoiled for that movie. It's beyond me. Uh, oh, I'm doing my damnedest. Like, I, I don't think I've seen anything that can legit, legitimately credit as a spoiler for that film just yet. Hmm. That hmm. Are you living in a, in a hole, Leron? I'm an IT guy. Of course, I live on the internet. Of course, but I've I've managed to I have managed to like. I believe I have wholeheartedly missed everything that could be a credible spoiler for this film just yet, and I uh, and I'm doing good. And that's and that's also being surrounded by roommates who have already seen the movie. Hmm. Okay, well let's get let's get into the characters here. Uh, Bruce Banner, played by Edward Norton, which we kind of already talked about, notoriously uh, kind of bad to work with uh but i think he did a good job playing bruce banner he was believable he was very yeah, believable. His, his portrayal his portrayal was very good actually i mm-hmm. mean you know um you know seemed a little simpy you know in certain in certain aspects you know but um but at the same time he seemed like a guy that was genuinely one trying to cure his um cure his problem of turning into this raging monster um at the same time trying to like stay low so off of everybody's radar you know while doing this um, and just trying to just live his life, honestly. Yeah, uh, like he I, did. A, he did a good job translating all that. Yeah, even I, even even the fear and the worry that other people might get contaminated by 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 his uh, predicament, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know he, it's it's weird because he like he's so small i didn't realize edward norton was so small but if you if you kind of research he lost some weight for this to make what they were kind of showing him like images of what the hulk would probably look like if you know edward norton turned into the hulk and uh Mm -hmm. he wanted he wanted that growth to seem more extreme so he actually lost weight for the role which is crazy to think that like a superhero would lose weight because you you think of like right. how big Chris Evans, is. <laughs> Chris Evans, yeah, God. yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, uh, Mark, what do you think of him in the role? Yeah, I, I thought I thought he was fine. Um, I mean, I thought he was great. I, I I think it's hard because we've had so many more instances of of Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, um, and I think they both approached it very differently. Um, 
but he he did he it was he I thought he did a good job of, of portraying this. You know, he I don't necessarily think he did a good job of portraying being the smartest person in the room, uh, which I think that that Bruce Banner really is supposed to be really smart. But um, you know, just like you said, Laurent, he's he's a man who desperately wants to fix what's going on and, and cares about the people around him. And there was an empathy he brought to the character and um, a lot of kind of gravitas. And so I, I thought he did a good job. I, I don't miss him though. <laughs> um, it wasn't a it wasn't a it wasn't a marriage of actor and character like tony stark was um honestly i mean especially with the character like the hulk i feel like anyone could be the hulk it's really all about the hulk and that's cgi and motion capture and so um so it wasn't uh, groundbreaking in any way but i thought he did a good job uh yeah i I don't know. Like, I mean, like you said, Mark, there's so many in- more instances of Mark Ruffalo that like, it's really hard to think of <laughs> him not being Mark Ruffalo anymore. Uh, right. And it's just felt like a different, st- st- I don't know if it was just because like the other movies were Paramount movies and this was a universal movie and the ways they were shot and like the effects that were used and like the direction in particular, but like he, he just felt, he didn't feel like Bruce Banner. He just felt like a guy who was on the run from the government is like, that's what I'd agree with that. Yeah. And he did a good job at it, but I don't know. I feel like I'm talking us in circles now, but like, he just didn't feel like Bruce Banner. And I, I think that's just because we've seen so much of the Hulk already in other, you know, future movies that this just didn't make sense anymore. But but I think I think the I think and I think people might get upset by this if they're they're comic book fans, but I, I don't think that again I think the character of well I think the character of Bruce Banner is important to the Hulk. I don't think that there really is any like defining characteristics of a Bruce Banner. It really doesn't matter who Bruce Banner is. Mm-hmm. Where it really matters is the juxtaposition of whoever Bruce Banner is versus the Hulk, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Tony Stark is one hundred like like there is there are characteristics, there are qualities that make Tony Stark. There are all of those things that go into that who that character is. But Bruce Banner is just kind of like a, a blank piece of paper. So I, I I don't think that's why I think it was so easy for them to recast. I mean, obviously he had problems or whatever, but. Um, He's just kind of a blank slate to me, the, the character of Bruce Banner. And I think that Edward Norton didn't ignite that. He just kind of mm-hmm. was anyone. It didn't have to be Bruce Banner, you know? Yeah. Plus, like, at the time, like, I know I know, we talk about the popularity of, of Robert Downey Jr., you know, before his kind of, uh, uh, you know, addiction issues and, and whatever. And this was, like, his coming out party, right? But, like, there was a time where Robert Downey Jr. wasn't really in anything before this, before Iron Man, right? There was, like, a a small window of time, whereas, like, Edward Norton, still one of the biggest actors at the time. Oh, yeah. Right? Especially coming off of Fight Club, American History X, and, like, he was, like, the name in Hollywood. And, and like, I think I also had a lot of – my brain had a hard time disconnecting him from who he was at the time also. Because he, like, you know, Robert Downey Jr., you can't think of him as any other role as than Tony Stark. But, like, Edward Norton is, like, this character, this character, this character, this character. 
and he's just Edward Norton, right? So I don't know. It's almost like it's almost the Johnny Depp conundrum where like you see Johnny Depp, but like you don't really like Johnny Depp is playing these characters, but you only really see Johnny Depp because it's Johnny Depp. And he's so he his persona is more iconic than the role he's playing. Unless, yeah, you, unless you're watching that. Pirates of the Caribbean, I guess, right? But then he just goes right. and plays Jack Sparrow in every other movie after that. So, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, maybe that that I had a hard time with that too because, like, up until Iron Man, I don't even remember the last thing I saw Robert Downey Jr. in before Iron Man. To be a hundred percent honest with you, like I really don't. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's uh, let's let's move on. Liv Tyler uh, plays. Betty Ross. I really loved her in this role. I always forget Liv Tyler exists, and when she pops up, I love her in every role she's in. I think that's the best description I've ever heard of Liv Tyler. I, I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I My favorite scene in this entire movie is the pizza parlor scene when her oh, yeah. and Ty Burrell's character walk in, and she sees him through the hole, the hole in the kitchen yeah. window, and like he disappears, and she like runs out and like is looking for him and like she comes back in and, and like grabs the the guy's hand i think his name is stanley right like his, stanley yeah right. and he's she's like tell me tell me i saw what i think i just saw or whatever and like he pretty much tells her without telling her like that whole scene right there is just like it's heartbreaking for her it's heartbreaking for ty burrell's character because like <laughs> yeah you know they're together yeah. but like you know, now he still knows that he, she's in love with him, even though she doesn't know where he is or can't be with him, right? And so it's like that whole scene, the way it plays out was just, uh, man, it's good. Yeah, they they really they were the strongest part of the movie, uh, Edward Norton and, and Liv Tyler. They they really sold the the romance and the heartbreak and the, mm-hmm. I mean, they they were great. My only complaint with Liv Tyler is her voice how she whispers everything yeah yeah um, even when I she's yelling kind of, it's like a, a yeah, loud it's whisper a, it's, a, it's a loud that's exactly right and it worked uh in, in lord of the rings when she was an elf but but in this movie it just was like a bit much but other than that i mean i think she's the biggest casualty of this film the fact that she didn't go on to continue that character in other movies i mean she was uh-huh. she was really strong in this movie mm-hmm. yeah i i'm kind of surprised they didn't reuse her anywhere like anywhere because the, the I'm, Hulk's, I'm curious Hulk. if sh- she'll show up in in she hulk or yeah. something like that because I, I feel like yeah because like the next yeah. time we see hulk like it, it's the it's the black widow love story right like i mean their right. connection right and they don't even mention betty ross anymore and it right. like that wouldn't really have bothered me, but I also wonder if it came at a time where they were actually considering like keeping this movie as canon to the MCU or not. And then once they moved forward, they kind of like made their choice and they just kind of had to stick with it almost. Right. Uh, but like her not being in any of the movies, even like a small cameo role or like any of the shows or anything like that really surprised me. But like you said, maybe she's in She-Hulk. Maybe she'll show up. Maybe she'll be bigger part especially because they included thunderbolt ross later like that yeah that yeah 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 it doesn't it doesn't quite sit right with me either you know um you know uh, i i I don't know i don't really have i don't really have opinions on Liv tyler as an actress i you know like i 
nothing i mean it's not like nothing she's been in has ever turned me off from watching it but i you mm-hmm. know like i you know uh I think I think she was I think she was all right all right casting for the, for the part I think she was yeah plus like I mean she was coming off of what Armageddon and Lord of the Rings like she was pretty big at the time too yeah like this this yeah. ca- the cast in this movie at the time was I would argue bigger than Iron Man yeah I mean the one two punch of of um, Jeff Bridges Gwyneth Paltrow Edward Norton Liv Tyler I mean. Th- that is a stacked, stacked cast list for your first two films for mm-hmm. a brand new studio of superhero films that yeah. were not seen as as big films at that time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, even even past this, right? Like you look at, I mean, you even look at Thor, and you have you have Anthony Hopkins playing Odin. Yeah, 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 and Rene Russo playing uh, yeah Frigga. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, the MCU man! Wow, that first phase, yeah. and, th- and that's that's yeah, they, I mean, they, they brought the, they the, brought star power. Yeah, that's right. And, and one of the biggest tools that the MCU has in their toolkit that they that they use often is bringing characters back and bringing actors back. I mean, obviously they did it in, in in game in big ways, but they even did it in small ways in in game. They had Robert Redford come back from Winter Soldier. He was retired. He retired from acting between Winter Soldier and Endgame, and they convinced him to come back for a superhero film. And so, you know, they brought back Red Skull um, in Infinity War. And so, and that had been a, a distance of 10 years between Captain America and, and the first Captain America and, and um, Infinity War. And so I feel like at some point down the line, she will come back, um, whether a small or a big way. Um, but it does seem like a big waste to not have used her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, I wonder, like, I wonder at the time the way that the contracts were structured, and because remember, Robert Downey Jr.'s contract was so different from everybody else's, right? Because he took that, his was like the only contract. Him and Edward Norton had the contracts where, like, they took money off the back end of the movies. Yeah, that they were in, right? Instead of you know their base contract or whatever, the way that other actors. That's which why Robert Downey Jr. made like what eighty million dollars off of in, uh, in, yeah. uh, Infinity War, right? And like. Everybody else made like pennies on the dollar, uh, uh, but yeah, man, uh, I, it was a shame that that Liv Tyler did not show up. Uh, but you know who did show up? General Ross, uh, William Hurt, uh, played Thunderbolt Ross. He uh, I, he annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> the I, character and the actor. The character, like I don't. Mm. Like I, I know he's supposed to be like the bad guy and just annoying, but like he's so gung ho on catching the Hulk that like I feel like he ignores every other responsibility he has either as a father or as a general or just as a you know a basic human being. Like he doesn't care about anything else. Yeah, but I mean they they kept that true to the character even through Civil War and 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 on because even when you know it turned out that you know iron man was a little bit in the right or kept sorry captain america was a little bit in the right and, and he was trying to save the world once again um he still dug his heels in and was like no this is the law and whatever and he's just he's a prick and that's his character and i thought he did a good job of portraying that yeah uh what what did you think Laron? about ross yeah i you know what i i enjoyed ross i you know what ross 
You know, you know, it's funny because I actually enjoyed Ross here and then his later appearances in the MCU. Like, it's like, man, like, get this guy the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> for, you know, for this movie, though, like, I, I, I genuinely enjoyed him because number. OK, like there's politics involved in this, right? He's double dealing. Like he knew he fucked up with trying to revive the super soldier serum, and it's obvious that it's obvious that he hid like evidence of what he did, you know, from his superiors, from Congress, from the Senate, and, and you know, like the higher chain of command and stuff like that. And, and he said, and he said, here framing, and he said here framing like 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 Bruce, you know, as a person who stole military secrets and you know intel and stuff like that. When when overall it's his fault and stuff like that. Uh, I love the fact that he was basically like a Captain Ahab, like he was he was trying to catch that damn white whale and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I did I I do like how they actually showed this, how strained his relationship was with Betty. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, like you you can you can see it like the fact that the fact that, you know, like she had to get his attention on the campus by calling him by calling him dad, because like first he was just calling him general, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It was, you know, like I, I liked everything about the way William Hurt played that character. Yeah. Yeah, he he definitely was just like Gen- uh. Ross was probably Ross was probably like the most believable character in the movie, if, I, if I'm being quite honest. No, see, like, I I think what annoyed me is, like, every other character I feel like had some sort of either character progression or multiple facets to the character, and he was just so one-note the entire movie, you know, that, like, it just didn't feel like he had any kind of growth, which I get, like, I, I that leads into, obviously, it leads into Civil War and his character there, right? But, like, he's just so one-note about everything. So, uh, all right. So the next character here we have is Tim Roth. Play he played Emil Blonsky, aka Abomination. Uh, I really like this character, except it really threw me off that they like didn't use like an American actor to play an American soldier, and like maybe that's just a weird opinion to have. But like, I don't know. He, I, I I liked him in the role. I thought he was okay he was quite small and quite uh i don't know i don't know maybe they picked a small actor to obviously do the same thing they did with edward dorton right where like he turns in this huge hulking monster right but man timothy roth is small you know i'm i'm kind of conflicted about about blonsky and abomination i'm kind of conflicted because like i'm i i have seen i've seen this before though because like i'm because like i'm 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 ex-military and stuff and i see i see the lengths people will go through like to get that to get the notoriety or to even stay because i remember um like uh like ross was talking to blonsky at one point um it was after the first failed attempt to capture bruce and he was talking and basically it was like, why are you still doing this? You know, like you could have already you could have already been on to bigger and greater things. And he's just like, I'm in it for the I'm in it for like uh, I, I can't remember the line specifically. But basically you got that he was in it for the thrill and he felt like this is the this is how he stays relevant and stuff like that. It's like it's like the syndrome we see pilots go through pilots and, you know, like tank commanders and stuff like that. You know, they're they're in the thick of it. And that's how they feel alive and stuff like that. Um, but that also is his 
leading psychosis to what what's what winds up being his downfall because like you know like instead of just realizing that hey it's time to let someone else fight this fight you know he has a stand and stuff like that and um and that was cool that was cool but overall though like there just wasn't enough facets to this guy you know for it to make sense yeah, there just wasn't there just wasn't enough facets, and I just feel like overall, like Blonsky, Blonsky was better when he turned into abomination than he was as a human and as a super soldier. Because, damn, he was a pretty he was a pretty hot ass super soldier. I, I will say that. Like when, like when he got juiced up, man, he was he was the real deal. Yeah, I really liked how they showed like every time he would take some of the serum or something else would happen, right? Like. They showed, they literally showed his bones like almost breaking yeah. or like popping through the skin, like yeah. like the, yeah. the scene where his spine pops through his skin, right? And yeah, that was that was crazy. Or like, or like, which by the way, the CG was kind of bad in this this section, but like before the Hulk kicked him into a tree, he was like they showed yeah. him, they showed him with his shirt off, and he was like kind of scrawny, right? When they first injected him, right? Like he was kind of like he looked weak, you know, like older and kind of like you know just small right but like when he when he healed and like you could see like his muscles like protruding through his skin like you know like he looked ripped and muscular and ready to go right and then mm-hmm. obviously everything at each step kind of had a different thing until he obviously turned into abomination yeah so uh mark did you did you talk about roth i mean that I don't have anything much more to say than what was already said. I thought he, I thought he was fine. I didn't think he was fantastic, um, but I thought he did a good job. And I mean, I, I liked him more as Abomination. I love the the final fight scene between Hulk and Abomination. I think it's yeah. really well done. Um, so so I I really enjoyed that, and I'm excited to see him being more because um, I think it's a it's an interesting character to see where he's been and what he's been doing. So um, yeah, I, I thought he was fine. Uh, all right. Tim Blake uh, played uh, Doctor Samuel Stearns, aka Mister Blue. I I really liked this character. I think he's like kind of over the top and kind of a nutty, kind of a nutty professor style character. Like he's just so over the top and really just wants to experiment and and change and do things right. And uh, his fascination with the Hulk is very opposite of general ross right like he's very like he wants to see what happens and if he can make him change and then obviously the whole thing of trying to cure him and everything was really fun the only part that really bothered me and this is where the movie kind of took a turn for me of like when the blood dripped down after abomination knocked him over in his head like it looked like it looked like that Super Mario 64 kind of somebody took the hand thing and just dragged his head across the screen. It was like, oh, he might be turning into something. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, he was so he was supposed to turn. Uh, Samuel Stearns in the comics becomes the leader, and he's like a really brilliant, but super powered with his mind. Um, so I think it was his origin story, but obviously that never went anywhere but um i loved him i thought he was fantastic in the movie i thought he was a breath of fresh air i thought he was really funny um i thought this was the single best case this is going to be super um i don't know 
movie nerdy or whatever, but um, the the writing for his character when he was writing with the Hulk, when they were uh, texting back and forth and emailing back and forth, the, they got the voice of this character so perfect that he even sounded when you when you read what he wrote. If you go back and watch it again, he he writes like he talks later on in the movie. And there are so many times in movies when a character is writing something and they're not present on screen, and it just sounds like the author is writing or the screenwriter is writing something. It doesn't sound like in character, but the, you can hear his intonations. You can hear the way he talks. You can hear his his the way he emphasizes certain things. I thought it was the best use case of uh knowing a writer's uh, sorry a, a, a character's voice um so i i love that but uh, i thought he was great i really enjoyed him in the movie mm-hmm. uh yeah so kevin feige actually did an interview right when thor Ra- thor ragnarok was getting ready to come out and somebody asked him about well do you see the leader becoming a coming back the way you brought back uh ross for civil war and his quote was his quote was, it's an embarrassment of riches uh, of places we could go or characters we could reprise or bring back now that we're, uh, I think Ragnarok is our 17th MCU film. And you would be surprised how many how many times it's come up. Uh, it's it's come up just, f- just finding the right place. And as I said, if you can't do it right, don't do it or do it later. And the notion of, quote, hey, I'm here too, next is not interesting to us. Abomination is in a prison somewhere too, and obviously Abomination came back in Sha- in Shang Chi, and right. uh, Mark, you said he's probably going to show up in She Hulk at some point. So, yeah, that's. I mean, he could possibly show up down the road as well, especially right. since they're sh- going into that kind of cosmicy, magicy realm, and that kind of he feels like a character that would kind of sit in that. You know, you know what I just realized. I just realized I just realized something because like you said it three times here and I was like Abomination was in Shang Chi because mm-hmm. I just saw Shang Chi l- last month and and you know I I remember this now because like uh like my boyfriend and I were watching Shang Chi and I was like that's Abomination <laughs> but I had not seen this movie yet so I I guess I did not put the correlation down and I said and so I guess my dumbass is here and thinking oh shit Abomination is about to show up later on in MCU. <laughs> <laughs> too busy watching agents of shield reruns <laughs> uh, maybe he'll you know show what? up in agents that- of shield oh wait that show got canceled sorry <laughs> <laughs> not canon <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, talk about ty let's talk about ty burrell as, as doc samson yeah uh you know ty, ty burrell is doc samson uh, the love interest uh, of betty ross in this movie before uh, Bruce Banner comes back. I he wasn't in the movie a lot, but I feel like isn't Doc Samson is some sort of character in Marvel as well, right? Like I, I think he's some yeah, sort he of has to be. important character as well. Uh, and obviously, Modern Family was taking off at this time too, so him being a big name in this in this movie as well. Like I thought he did a pretty good job of like playing the cool. Like I kind of understand where she's coming from. General Ross, you're a dick kind of character. That scene on the porch where he kind of tells yeah. off General Ross was really cool. Like I really enjoyed yeah. that scene. You know, yeah, he could have uh, been just a one note character who was just there to be the jealous boyfriend or whatever. But he, as he does in, in lots of roles that he's in, imbued it with a real sense of empathy and, and realism. And so he I, I, he did a good job. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Doc Doc Samson. I just I just looked him up real quickly in a, in, in a uh, in, in the Marvel wiki, and he actually is tied into the actual uh, Incredible Hulk storyline and stuff like that. And he he actually he's actually not just tied into the Incredible Hulk storyline, but he's also like affiliated with, with General Ross at certain points, and he becomes Doc Sasquatch, which is another version, which is another amalgamation of Hulk. Hmm. Cool. Maybe maybe he'll show up in She Hulk too. Hmm. Yeah. You can do whatever they want. Uh, Doc Samson possesses superhuman physical abilities as a result of exposure to high levels of gamma radiation. The gamma radiation mutate, mutated Samson's uh, physique by adding considerable muscle and bone mass to his body, granting him high levels of superhuman strength. So he's basically the Hulk as well. Just, you know, different. Yeah. I know that's what you just said, but I wanted to read the, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, trying to, he's just trying to upstage me. I get it. That's not true. Everybody loves you. Nobody likes me. It's fine. We get it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I enjoyed him. I I hope he comes back. I I like that actor too. He's he's funny. Yeah. Like I feel like they could do something interesting. Maybe like a TV show introduced. I think he maybe he'd show up in in She Hulk. That'd be cool. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So some some cameos here. Lou Ferrigno, obviously. Uh, famous for playing the Hulk in the TV show uh, way back when is a security guard in this movie. Uh, pretty, I mean, I always, like my thing with Lou Ferrigno is like, I really like King of Queens and when he moves in and he's the neighbor, it's just like really funny in that show. Uh, but yeah, other than that, like I really don't really care about that, about Lou Ferrigno all that much. Yeah. But, I thought it was cool that they included him. Yeah. Uh, also, I think he did some sound effects for Hulk in this movie. Yeah. So, because uh, he wanted to be included. Uh, also, so something we didn't do last time, which I think I think we should do. We said we were going to rank the MCU movies uh, as we went. And uh, something else I think we should do is keep track of Stan Lee's cameos, which we didn't do last time. He was he was Hugh Hefner and Iron Man. Which was pretty good. That was a pretty good cameo. He kind of looks he he kind of looks like him. Uh, but in this, he was the <laughs> so in the in the bottling plant, right? Like uh, uh, Bruce Banner cuts his finger, and he has to go down and find the blood and make sure it's cleaned up. And he got one spot, but you could clearly see that the blood split into two, and one landed in a bottle, and Stanley drank the drink and this that's how they found out that he was in brazil um so not the best cameo but like, it was i feel like the movie should have shown us a little bit more about what happened to him once he got the gamma the gamma exposure he I died really feel, i feel he fell they down didn't say he, they didn't say he died. he died I they think didn't he just say he died right they didn't say he died yeah yeah, they just they just said, they just they just said if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think the I think the exchange was like yeah like a, like 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 an old guy like you know like uh, you know like consumed it you know with a drink and um and I and I believe the line was uh was something along the line was something like oh I, I guess I guess he didn't get what he expected today right. Something along those lines. Like I, I'm paraphrasing everything. Like I said, I just saw the movie. I just saw the movie for the first time, and that was last week. And I'm one of those people that stuff moves out of my brain really quickly. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, um, I think 
I think this this cameo was much better than the, than the first one. But I, which one of my favorite parts about this movie is that it takes place in Brazil. I'm Portuguese. My family's Portuguese, and so I I love when, um, uh, you know, Portuguese is spoken in, in movies. And I grew up drinking pingudos, which is what the which was what the drink that they were making. And so, oh, that's I, a real drink. I, Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, that's so cool. Like, I didn't. It's like I, Surge or, or, or um, oh god, Surge, or like uh, you know, not Sunny Delight, but like it's like an orange yeah. drink. Yeah, it's like anyway. a citrusy um, carbonated beverage. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I didn't right. know that was a real drink. I I love when yeah. they do that because yeah. sometimes like you know like TV shows or, or movies use like fake beverages yeah. in their scenes. It's like God, it's so annoying. Just pay the uh, what. Ten thousand dollars you need for the Coke license and put a can of Coke there or something. Yeah. Well, I don't think that that Pingudos is really uh, <laughs> can say I'm going to charge you this much money because I don't think a lot of people know <laughs> who they are. So, uh, yeah, I, I liked I liked his cameo in this movie. Uh, so okay, yeah i I want to talk about like our favorite moments and and kind of what we didn't really like. I know we kind of have discussed a lot of the movie already. Yes, Mark. You left out one huge cameo. Oh God, what I do in the movie, um, which is one of my favorite things that Marvel does, which we've talked about a lot, is bringing back characters from previous films. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When, we 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 missed the whole Iron Man thing. <laughs> no, not not that one. We're getting not to the one. end credit scene later. Yeah, not that one. When when the the when Bruce Banner goes to Culver University to try to find the data. And that's he sees Lou Ferrigno and he gives him a pizza or whatever that he he gets into the lab. He's working on the computer and then he looks and there's like a lab student in there and the lab student holds up his pizza and as you know, he's like, Thanks for the pizza or whatever. That lab student is Peter Parker's teacher in Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home and Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. same actor, it's the same Say what? character. Yeah, it's I did not well, pick that up. I didn't bring he that up in he... school. I didn't bring that up here because I was going to make that connection when we got the Spider-Man, but I mean, oh, I guess, I, I guess, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's cool to point out now. So we actually don't forget that when we get to Spider-Man. But, yeah. I just love stuff like that. That's inconsequential. doesn't mean anything, but it just really builds the universe in that he would have been in college at that time and then mm-hmm. become, and then it makes sense. It tracks that he'd be a teacher later and he's a pretty big role in the Spider-Man films. I mean, it's a comedic role. It's not like a major role or anything, but um, I, I love stuff like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that too. It's, it's man, Hulk, like the more we talk about it, the more you just realize Hulk's kind of DNA is everywhere in the MCU at this point. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. I want to. I want to. I want to talk about what our favorite moments really that we haven't really talked about yet, and then we'll talk about like the least our least favorite moments and kind of the ending, uh, which Mark you said you liked, and I think I think we have differing opinions on the ending. Uh, you know, but. You know, LeBron, we're going to start with you. What What are you kind of your favorite parts of this movie? Like, you know, okay, we haven't fair, really touched on. Favorite part of the, uh, one of my favorite parts of the of the movie. Um, the you know, I'll just do I'll just I'll just do the favorite parts as they actually showed up in the movie. Uh, favorite part of the movie, first time that first time he actually hulks out like in the bottling plant and just like, and just like effing all those freaking soldiers up and everything. Like he even like, uh, but honestly, like. 
Honestly, though, when he freaking like chucked that that one guy that that was taunting him the whole time, the the is his coworker from the bottling plant. I was like, I was like, let's go, let's do this. And then just the whole subsequent like ass kicking and smashing that was going on, uh, and um, it, it, you know, subsequently, um, of course, like the second. Of course, the second appearance, you know, of the Hulk, you know, at at the campus, that was another good moment for me. That was another good moment for me. Maybe I'm just an adrenaline junkie because, like, I liked everything about that. And, uh, but the one, but the cool thing about it was is that, you know, even as the Hulk, like, you know, like, it showed that he still had humanity in him. Like, he, 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 he went out of his way to save Betty. Um, he also, he also was like, look, man, because, like, when Blonsky... When Blonsky came up to him, it was like, that's all you got? And then he push-kicked him into a tree. Best movement of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that he whole action push scene. push-kicked him into a tree. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is the stuff we dream about doing to, like, bullies, you know, in our lives, you know, and stuff like that. And to see it, like, just play out on, on a, you know, in front of our eyes is just was just amazing. Um, like, also, like... <laughs> When he was when he was afraid of lightning, that that was another that was a that was another one of my uh, one of my favorite moments because like it was one of those situations where like where like you know like I guess like I guess like he was too feral to realize that you know like hey this is something that happens and Betty had to calm him down, um, yeah and 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 one more one more when him and Betty were about to get it on. <laughs> Yeah. And, and he stops her and he's like he's like he's like i can't get too excited and she's not she's like not even just a little bit yeah. <laughs> oh boy those are those are those are some of my favorite moments uh um I, I also did like the hulk smash line i did like it it was it was mm-hmm. it was well it was well planned and well and and well timed yeah uh yeah, one of one of the cool uh, scene, like action scenes from like the 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 end of the movie, right where he gets he kind of gets that police car and breaks it in half and uses them as boxing gloves. Mm-hmm. That's ripped oh, straight. Yeah. Out, it's ripped straight out of Hulk Ultimate Destruction, which was the game that was kind of out right before the movie came out. Oh yeah, like they totally ripped that out of the game, which was hilarious. Uh, it, like in the game, like when you you can like smash the car and it breaks it in half and you can pick up both pieces and just start like, you know, using them like boxing gloves. And he straight up did the same exact thing in the movie, like almost animation per animation. Like it it just, it was cool. Uh, But yeah, I, I also, as, as weird as the scene looks now with the CGI, I also liked the scene where he was strapped to the chair. uh, And, uh, uh, they were oh, doing the oh. the dialysis on him and trying to cure him, and he was kind of yeah. like changing. He was like morphing in and out, and you know, Betty climbed on top of him to try to calm him down. And uh, it was that scene was really like it was really neat to watch because not a lot of movies had the courage, at least at that point, to try to do that. You know, and mm-hmm. even though like the animation doesn't really hold up, you know, what almost fifteen years later, it really like it was really cool to see them do that and uh, you know, kind of attempt to try that because like the, the, the Hulk's animate, the Hulk's graphics and animation look really good, especially for the time, you know, that's clearly where a lot of their budget went. And uh, I appreciate them trying to feel it out and trying to do that. Um, The, my, one of the other scenes, we kind of already talked about it and LaRon, you kind of just talked about it, but 
uh, the scene right before the big uh, courtyard fight, uh, mm-hmm. uh, where he's in the walkway. I, we we talked about it earlier, but masking the him changing was such a really cool kind of you know Jaws kind of moment almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I really appreciated that. And then when he jumped out the window and he kind of you know oh yeah took everybody out with him it was really cool. Uh, Mark, Mark, did you, did you go already? Sorry, I had to step away. My daughter kind of, no, um, I mean, I think a standout, which, which is a testament to really how surprisingly good. I think this movie is every scene with the Hulk, I think was a standout in this movie, which means in my mind, it was a success. Like he, they, they did a good job, um, with, with that character and, and really building up who he is and, um, you know, I already said I loved the fight scene between. I mean, just the. I guess I, I like you know big monster battles, but but you know Hulk versus Abomination. I thought it was it was clever. It was interesting. It was him you know t- breaking the the part of his bones and then stabbing him with his own bone. The Hulk stabbing yeah. Abomination with his own bone, <laughs> um, and the and the Hulk clap and the Hulk smash and the, I mean I, I I loved I loved the final uh, fight scene. Um, um, I loved everything in the beginning in Brazil, just because mm-hmm. you know bias because of the Portuguese. Um, I I think and, and I think you said this, Corey. I, I do think there are two standout moments for me in this film. One is when he just drop kicks Blonsky into a tree. I mean, murders him essentially. Like he yeah. doesn't know <laughs> that he's taken something, and he just straight up murders him. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fantastic. And and two. That scene in the diner between between Betty and, and uh, uh, Bruce when she sees him for the first time, um, that really just sold this epic love story and this real emotional thing. And the music behind it was really good. And um, I mean, that was a and in a, and in a movie as bombastic as as the Hulk uh, tends to be, that really small character moment really yeah. stands out. I think. And it really sells it, especially because there's not like a unless I mean unless you saw. Ang Lee's Hulk, you kind of, or like, are familiar with the comics, like you know their love story. But like, if you didn't know anything right. about Bruce Banner or Betty Ross, you'd be like, oh yeah, their relationship has totally been going on for a long time, and that really sells the relationship and how long it's been going on. You know, like yeah. I, I really thought that that moment in particular, it's probably my favorite moment in the whole film, honestly. Yeah, you you might be right about that. It might it might be the, the best one. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of uh, Castaway <laughs> at the very end of Castaway, which spoilers for a movie that's old, but um, at the very end of Castaway, after he gets off the island and he goes and sees Helen Hunt and they're in the rain. Mm-hmm. And th- the only reason why they're not together is because she thought he was dead and he was on an island. The yeah. only reason why Bruce Banner and Betty are not together is because he was gone. He left, he was gone and he was trying to protect her. And so there's now that they're here together, it just was, it really reminded me of that, that scene, particularly in the rain. Um, yeah. So I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Uh, Oh, the, the other scene that I really liked too was uh, in the court, in the courtyard, like when the helicopter was crashing and the Hulk like somehow oh. becomes cognizant of, of Betty and where she is. And he knows that he needs to save her even though like obviously he's the Hulk and, and him kind of holding her while he's engulfed in flames (laughs) and watching the panic in general Ross's face was just, that was a cool scene too. Yeah. 
So, uh, anything anything we didn't really care for, uh, Laurent, I think we're kind of on the same page, opposite of Mark, where I actually thought the <laughs> the end fight scene looked pretty <laughs> fake. Like it looked, yeah. Really, I, it's yeah, not, it, it's, it, 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 sorry, go ahead. I, no, 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 do it. Cause I was, I was talking over you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I kind of like, I don't think the Hulk and abomination looked fake. Like, I think their animation is actually pretty good. It's the set that they're fighting on. That looks s- yeah. small and not great. Like the, I think the helicopter looks totally fake. I think like the rubble around the helicopter looks fake. Like I, I, it just that whole shot just really bothers me in a movie that like has been so well done up to this point and you get to this final fight scene on a rooftop that just looks totally fake it looks like a totally different movie it just looks like a totally different movie and it really bothered me and I think if if the rest of the movie kind of felt that way it wouldn't have bothered me so much but like it's it's literally just the set that bothers me it it just looks bad yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I think it, it looks like it's taking place on a soundstage, and mm-hmm. like it, you know, people <laughs> expertly placed it, the pla- placed the the rubble and everything. But I don't know. There just the five year old boy in me was just like, yeah, Hulk smash. Like I just really got lost in the in the movie magic of it and mm-hmm. ignored everything else around it and just watched the two just beat the crap out of each other. And that was so much fun. I thought. Yeah. But I, other than that, like I, I really feel like the movie was pretty well done. There wasn't there wasn't anything that I really hated other other than that set at the end. Uh, what, yeah. What about you, Laron? Is there anything else that you really? Uh, not really, not really. The movie was the movie was well put together. It just it just seemed like it just i don't know maybe it's maybe it's just because like i'm spoiled you know with uh you know with 22 other marvel movies now maybe i'm just spoiled but just it 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 seemed like it seemed like that was our comic book movie when all the other movies in the mcu are just are trying to take the genre seriously yeah it it must have been really hard to go back to this and watch this for the first time also right like it's i feel like this might be the same for you as it almost for to an extent when I went and watched Ghostbusters for the first time, like (laughs) a couple weeks ago, right. We're like, man, if you watch this at the beginning of the MCU, when it was all first kind of starting and stuff, and you saw how awesome the Hulk could be and how awesome Iron Man could be and how it could lead into like, you know, even if you weren't really aware of the Avengers kind of thing and like how cool it would be to have an Iron Man and Hulk movie like that would, totally different back then to what it is now i 100 percent agree with that oh yeah um that was that was honestly like i mean the movie didn't disappoint me but um but the movie definitely to me felt like it was a product of its time you know Mm -hmm. and that's not saying it was a bad movie or in in, in any way um like (sighs) yeah i mean the only other the only other movies you had to compare this to was iron man which came out what two months a month and a half before and honestly well the x-men movies well well, well, okay, hold on, hold on, because um, because like, because I honestly feel like you know, like there, there's there was other Marvel fear out there. Yeah, the X Men movies are out there. Uh, I think Spider Man had jumped up, had started running. Like Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. it, it yeah. had at least one run at that point. Um, it we had we had three Blade movies. Yeah. Um, stuff like that, and in all honesty, like you know, they could have they could have they could have done this movie like the first Blade movie, and it would have been amazing. God, dude, Blade One is so good. Can we do Blade at yeah. some point? 
I've never seen them, and I want to watch them before the new Blade movie comes out. So yeah. I'd love to do that. Maybe we'll like I, when Blade when the new Blade movie comes out, we should do the other three Blade movies leading up to Blade. Yeah, mm-hmm. be cool. I would love to. Uh, sorry, Ron, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Blade. Oh is, no, 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 Blade no, was no, no, cool no. at the time. Like Blade was awesome. I even kind of liked movie, the third movie. That movie. That movie was that that first movie. You know, to, to to use to use an old school term to show how old I am. That movie was fucking dope. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dude. Sorry. The opening like, scene. The opening scene when they're in the club and it just starts like raining blood is like Cor- Corey. Like you were you were you were with me last week for Boss Rush uh, after dark. Like when I talked about like the club we were at and the song started playing and and it just it yeah. <laughs> Uh, just check it just check it out on patreon guys like you yeah. you will not be disappointed yeah uh <laughs> that, so. that 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 song brings something out of people yeah <laughs> i'm i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i missed in this movie i think it was pretty straightforward the so the end of the movie obviously like edward norton sitting in the cabin uh you know, he's doing his meditation, right? And then it does, like, the countdown thing, right? Days Without an Incident, 31. And then it mm-hmm. counts down to zero. And he sits there and smiles. And his eyes turn green. And it really makes you think he's able to control it now. Mm-hmm. Which was... Pro- maybe if, like, they continued that direction with Edward Norton. And they kind of, like, whatever. And they, you know, like, I, I kind of feel like that could have been an interesting way to go with it almost. Uh, except they didn't, and that was that's like the one part of this movie that kind of feels inconsistent with the rest of the MCU, to an extent. Well, I, I a little bit I I disagree with you because, so I think I, I think if I'm really just spending too much time looking into his, this, he he was able to control it right at at the end of this movie, and I think he's in that place where we see him again in the Avengers. Except just like anyone who is able to control their temper, sometimes things catch you off guard and you lose your temper, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes, so he gets caught off guard and he turns into the Hulk. But at the very end of that movie, when he says, I'm always angry and turns into the Hulk, he's controlling that. So I do think that's true. there is a little bit of consistency there. Um, it just, he is portrayed at the beginning of Avengers as not being in control of it. Um, and not wanting to do it, but I, but I think it's more so he just he is caught off guard sometimes. Mm-hmm. So so I, I do and don't agree with what you're saying. Is, yeah. Is no, I I kind of forgot at the at the in Avengers where he says I'm always angry and he kind of controls it. Like yeah. I, I yeah. honestly forgot about that part. Uh, it's been so long since I watched Avengers. To be honest with you, I'm actually really <laughs> excited to go back and see how Avengers holds up compared to what we've seen already. Uh, you know, in the other big team movies. Uh, all right, let's move to this in, uh, mid credit scene, actually, in this movie. It's really, it. I forgot that it wasn't at the end, and I own this movie digitally, and it's not on Disney+. Plus. So, like, I, I went in and, like, fast-forwarded to the end, and I was like, where's the end credit scene? But it's, like, it's a mid credit scene. Not that anybody needed that explanation. <laughs> but so sorry for ranting. Uh, but yeah, General Ross is sitting in the bar and he's taking shots and he's like, slams it down, reload, reload. I'm like, God, dude, you're just taking this way too far. Uh, but then you see Tony Stark walk in 
and tell him that he like talked to him about the Avengers initiative, which is really cool. Like it's, it's kind of cool. You know, this was the first time I was actually like, Oh wow, these movies are connected and this could be really cool if they did something with this someday. Uh, what'd you guys think of the end credit scene? Yeah, I think, uh, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. Like I like, you know, I, I'm not sure I didn't, I, I wasn't really quite expecting it, honestly, because I thought I thought this. Hmm, I should have expected it, but at the same time, I, I didn't expect it because you know, like I. If you heard me last on last week's show, I I, I said that I in, in my brain I omitted this movie from uh, from it because like it didn't seem like it didn't it, it it seemed like it was kind of apart from the MCU. So like I so yeah, when I watched the movie for the first time, I did watch you know watch all the way through to the end credits to, to see like if there's going to be any pop-ups. So yeah, I was surprised, but at the same time I wasn't you know, I wasn't really like moved by it, you know. It was cool, you know. And, and once again it helped establish the fact that, you know, like General/Secretary slash Ross was probably going to become a fixture, you know, in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, there, there, there's that. I mean, you know, mm, you know, like it was. I, I guess, I guess, you know, once Marvel figured out, like, hey, we start doing these cameos from the other movies in, into like our existing movies, like we 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 got like lightning in a bottle at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, obviously, the the end credit scene from the first Iron Man is. It is a big deal in setting up what the MCU was planning on doing. But I think in terms of broader appeal and more general audiences, you had at this point now Iron Man had been out for two months and was a massive success, a huge runaway success. And then you have the star from that massive success walk into this film, which felt like less of a success watching it right mm-hmm. um, and so i feel like in terms of impact for uh, uh, the the more general moviegoer i feel like this one had a bigger impact because you had robert down and Jr. come in there and so whereas before you have a random character who wasn't in the movie at all mm-hmm. who they don't know who nick fury is they don't know any of this stuff and so but then you've got you truly have the first instance of one character showing up in a different movie. And so I think this one was the bigger mm-hmm. in credit scene than, than the first one. Yeah. Plus like at the time, like Nick Fury was not black either in the comics at all. He was white. He was an old white guy. Now the, now the ultimates, the ultimates version, which actually Marvel, the ultimates is, is Marvel six, one, six, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I, I just know, know like let me, let me look at that. Well, from playing like from playing Marvel or from playing X Men Legends on the Xbox and playing Ultimate Alliance and the cartoons, Nick Fury was an old white guy to me. Like I didn't know that this version of Nick Fury existed, and it wasn't until later that I found out. Oh well, they kind of like retcon this in the comics at some point to where like the multiverse version of nick fury is a black guy or he's nick fury jr which you know nick fury uh had an illegitimate son at some point <laughs> and it was this nick fury i don't know 
Maybe I just made all that up, and I'm just a huge racist. But uh... okay, 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 yeah. For for this That's Marvel, universe, yeah. Like, okay, so the so the MCU does take place in in, in Marvel Universe six one six, and mm-hmm. and the lore of Universe six one six is that Nick Fury, the original Nick Fury, fathered a child with a black woman named Nia Jones, and that would become he would he would that child would grow up to become like the the next Nick Fury. Okay, I yeah, didn't make there that we up. Go. I knew there that. Go. I knew I didn't make that up. Although a little part of me felt like I kind of made that up. <laughs> uh, but the big story about yeah, Samuel Jackson agreeing to wow. agreeing to do the film was he was in a comic book store and was flipping through comic books and saw his face on a comic book and was like, what? "Hey, <laughs> did he agree to let my likeness be used for this character?" And his people were like, "Nope." And so they just started using. Samuel Jackson's face as Nick Fury in the comics, and then he just that opened up the communication with him, and then led to this film. So there was precedence for there being a a Samuel L. Jackson looking Nick Fury, but but to the wider audience, I don't think they know who Nick Fury is, mm-hmm. and so this in credit scene was definitely, I think, mm-hmm. really truly showed what Marvel's plan was. Yeah, was to kind of that this was. You know, before sequels were Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, but technically The Incredible Hulk was a sequel to Iron Man, and mm-hmm. that was the first time that we had seen something like that. Yeah, it was really cool to see. Uh, I definitely, yeah. uh, I mean, looking back now, like, that was probably the more impactful scene at the time, but I still feel like the Nick Fury scene overall was more impactful to the universe. Oh, for sure, so. for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, it's time to rank the MCU. This is the first time we get to rank something, guys, because Iron Man, obviously, just Iron Man, number one. Uh, where does does this is this movie better or worse than Iron Man? Mm, you know what? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you guys talk first. <laughs> oh man, I don't. I mean, for for me, I think Iron Man is better. Like, just overall production and. I really like Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark because I really can't imagine anybody else playing Tony Stark. I just, I like Iron Man better than the Hulk. I don't, as much as I thought that at least the beginning of this movie was super interesting, I just don't think there's really anywhere else to go with the Hulk. And I feel like that's why, besides the rights issues with Universal, like I really feel like that's why Disney hasn't really bothered to go get the Hulk back from Universal you know, for a right. solo movie is because like the Hulk kind of fits better as a sidekick, like a, a sidekick character almost, or like a character that's yeah. not as important for us from a storytelling perspective at this point, you know? And like what you see, when you see Hulk stories now, it's always like, it's not Bruce Banner. It's always like, uh, I think there is the one where it was the, the Asian kid or, or She-Hulk, or, you know, like, it's always a spinoff character that they're telling a Hulk story with and not Hulk now. So, right. uh, I I don't know. I just felt like Iron Man was better from a, to- a storytelling perspective and a continuation of a story. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like it's not even a question. Iron Man was a better film all the way around. Um, and so, I think 
far and above Iron Man is is better than than Incredible Hulk. Okay, I just wanted to make I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to be the the person that like that like skated against the grain here because <laughs> I agree like I like Iron Man is like the superior film right now mm-hmm. in the, in in this outing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so to catch everybody up on our MCU ranking in case you missed the last episode, which you should go back and listen to Iron Man cuz it's Iron Man. Number 1, Iron Man. And number 2, the Incredible Hulk. That's our ranking so far. Uh, what's next? Iron Man 2 the next time? Yes. Iron Man 2. Yeah. It's Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, or is it Captain America then Thor? Thor, Captain America. Thor, Thor Captain, Captain America. America. Captain okay. America is the last movie before Avengers. Great. Right. I remember loving Captain America. I hope it's as good as I remember. <laughs> Except for the Ooh, ridic- I hated Except for America. The ridiculously America. long car that Red Skull drives. It's car so car- <laughs> it's so cartoonish. Like what were they thinking? The entire movie is like incredibly astonishingly Whoa. grounded in some most points. And then you get this cartoonishly long car that like I don't know, some Hanna Barbera cartoon would drive. Like it's just <laughs> he he is a guy who has a red skull for a head, so I feel like <laughs> yeah, but it's ex- with the character. It's explained by science. Uh, oh sure, yes, <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, also, fun fact: his scientist, sci- uh, the sidekick scientist guy in that movie, also plays Dobby in Harry Potter. Toby Jones. Yes, he sure does. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Standard Definition. I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening. Remember, you can get the show two weeks early by going to Patreon, patreon.com slash Boss Rush Network. For just a dollar, you get this show after dark two weeks early, the Boss Rush podcast three days early, Boss Rush presents three days early. It's a lot of a lot of value there for a dollar. Mark, Laurent, thank you for your time. I appreciate it a lot tonight. Uh, Mark, where can we find you? It's a pleasure. Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Boss Rush, um, writing movie reviews and, and uh, banters and news pieces and all those good things. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at Except in Pereira. Fun. Laurent, where can we find you? All right. Uh, you can find me everywhere at Exodus803, E-X-O-D-U-S-803. That's uh, social media as well as uh, Twitch and YouTube. Uh, also, that's my gamer tag for uh, PlayStation Network as well as Xbox Live. Um, don't forget, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, twitch.tv slash Exodus803, Crossroads PlayStation Podcast, uh, where myself, Nelly, Austin, and Chris are talking about everything PlayStation and gaming related. And then don't forget... Wednesday nights, the Boss Rush podcast with, with of course, Corey and um, and our wonderful, wonderful uh, co-host, Stephanie Klimov. She's all right. Wow. She's here first. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah? No, she's great. She's hosting our Disney, our Disney animated uh, standard definition episodes, which is really great. Yes. I wanted to get her hosting something because, you know, I feel like she deserves a shot at that. She's good at it. So, uh, you can find me at I am Corey HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me hosting the Boss Rush podcast every Wednesday night live on twitch.tv slash Boss Rush Network or on Monday mornings on free feeds. Uh, you can also find me hosting our Xbox podcast, Arsenal X. Remember to like, subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you listen to this show. Five stars, please. 
And until next time, we love you. Goodbye. Take care.